fucked up, man, that all my friends in bands and stuff, they used to play shows and bitch about government and how government fucks everybody over and how much they hated it and stuff. And then they grow older and now they're, they join a party and they act like their opinion matters. Like, oh, well, maybe government's okay since I'm a Democrat or since I'm a Republican. But it's not. It's the same government you bitched about when you were fucking 20 years old playing in a fucking death metal band. Thrash band or whatever the fuck you played in. You just got old and soft. You just got senile and brainwashed. And now you're just a fucking stupid son of a bitch. Fuck you. the study of how things exist, not what exists. That's a common mistake. I'm, I'm not the object police. I'm not trying to tell you that there are 20 million things or one thing or three things or whatever. I'm simply saying that if something exists, say for example a sentence, if sentences are real and sentences exist, then they exist in the same way as spoons. And how do they exist in the same way? Um, they exist in the way that they have a kind of gap between what they are and how they appear. And this gap is irreducible and transcendental. But nevertheless, um, the appearing and the being of the thing are kind of inextricably welded together, right? This is a very, very helpful, um, if you like, kind of a detour that I took um, through something seemingly apolitical to get back to how to think something political. The point being that, you know, um, rethinking politics is precisely what is required right now if we're going to be including non-human beings in the equation. And in order to include non-human beings in the equation in a full-on way, you do need to address quite deep questions about what the word exist actually means. What does the word exist actually mean? Does it mean I am here? In the present? Does it mean that I can imagine a potential future? And if so, should I base that on present circumstances? Does it mean that I listen to Mirrored, the debut studio album by American experimental rock band Battles? Welcome back to another episode of the Humor and the Abject podcast, you acting like mirrors, actually being sculptures, screedlers. This is Stefan Lee, the podcast studio manager. On this week's episode, we've got a special guest for you from the Big Apple, who was visiting Austin recently to debut a brand new and very cool public artwork. I'm speaking, of course, about Beth Campbell. Let's turn it over to your host, Sean J. Patrick Carney. I'm Ira Glass. Welcome to Jackass. It's episode 105 of the Humor in the Abject podcast. I'm your host, Sean J. Patrick Carney. We've arrived at Tax Day Screedlers, and if you know what's good for you, you know what that means. It's my birthday. That's right. April 15th, baby. A big Aries boy. 
if you want to get me a present, head over to patreon.com slash humor in the abject and throw us three bucks a month to show your support for this little project. If you want to get me anything else, I don't know, DM me. You could send me something in the mail. In other news, I've got artist Beth Campbell on the podcast today. I met Beth in 2007 when she did a show at Pacific Northwest College of Art in Portland right after I started going to school there. She was also a faculty in residence at the time, which was extra cool. Beth is known for building complex installations that make you feel like you're going insane, but in a very tasteful way, I would say. Uh, Her work's been exhibited super widely, including the Whitney Museum, Country Club in Chicago, a very serious public art fund project, the Drawing Room in London, ES1, White Columns, you name it. She's also been a Guggenheim Fellow and received the Pollock Krasner Grant. This is serious stuff. Now, this past week, the public art collection Landmarks here in Austin unveiled an installation of work on the campus of UT by Beth, a brand new drawing and a companion sculpture. I got to see the actual ribbon-cutting ceremony and then later caught a talk between Beth and philosopher Timothy Morton, whom you may know as the author of Hyper Objects from 2013. It was super fun, and I even got to go to dinner with them afterwards. Very fancy. All right, that's enough for me, and uh, quick heads up. Next week is the Fuse Box Festival here in Austin, and I'm going to be seeing uh, 20-something performances and shows, so I'm probably not going to put a podcast out for uh, that week, so you're going to have to wait another week, but I think you'll survive. Here's my conversation with Beth Campbell. Today, we're talking about emotional time travel errors. Let me explain this. This has to do with love, uh, loss. When we lose something, when we have to give up something, when we, when we let go of addictions, junk food, relationships, getting out, in and out. Beth Campbell, welcome to Humor and the Abject. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. You're visiting Austin from New York City. Yes. How do you find Texas thus far? Oh, it's a wonderful time of the year to be here mm-hmm. it's very green right now yes you got really good weather except for the downpour this morning mm-hmm. but other than that it's been beautiful um, we've known each other for like 12 years now i yes. calculated um which seems kind of nuts but the first work of yours that i saw was in 2007 at pnca in the feldman gallery the show that was there which i think was called i can't quite place it and one of the pieces that was in that show was called The Following Room, right? Right. Um, and that work of yours would later appear at the Whitney Museum. Um, and the piece made me feel very anxious and kind of tripped out when I was looking at it. Um, and could you explain what The Following Room was? Well, what it looks like uh, I mean, from my, I mean, from my plans and what seems to have happened is that the viewer is looking at this domestic space. It's like a chair and a bookshelf and a lamp and some like coffee cup and pillow and stuff, reading book on the floor and, uh, and in this architectural space with a drop ceiling and rug. Um, but they think that the space has mirrors around it and that they're looking at in an infinity reflection mm-hmm. of this space. But actually the space is built out. It's like 12 or 13 times. I can't really remember. And it's like dimensional. So it's not, in a long line, it's like four deep, three across. Mm-hmm. And there are kind of, if I'm remembering correctly, there's almost as if there's like a floor runner or something that goes up between where the carpet would be and where like a oh, mirror yeah. would begin. So it kind of, it looks like there's a, a plane that shoots vertically up as well. Mm-hmm. So that helps to create the illusion of the mirror. Yeah. So there's a false wall that's right. about a foot tall. And it looks like if you go in, 
Imagine if you're in like a health club or something or a uh-huh. yoga studio or a dance studio and that the wall or the there's mirror hanging on the wall. Often it doesn't, I mean, it can go all the way to the floor, but right. imagine it only goes to about a foot off the floor. And so it was like building that, that foot of floor before the mirror starts. But then that, that wall was built in a way that it had this like black space in it. It was like two... Uh, shallow pieces of MDF with a black valley in it or a little uh-huh. canyon. Uh-huh. And so that imitated that if you were standing in a mirror and you looked down at its bottom <laughs> edge that you would see this like black yeah, line. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like there are all these things that sculpturally built out uh-huh. the like the attributes of a mirror. And so there are also these plastic lines that drew the right. edges of the mirror right. also. And then there was another black line in the ceiling that kind of drew that perimeter. Yes, and that made me feel very anxious because it was, again, it was the, it was the realization that it was not a mirror. That was very, very, it took longer than I think it should have, which is like, I'm disappointed in myself as a viewer. Cause I think, cause when I realized later the space that it was in at PNCA's old building in the Northwest part of Portland, the Feldman gallery was not a perfect white box. It was actually like asymmetrical because there's a one of the walls, like the north wall of that space, had a door cut out that went into a second space where we also had another piece, I mm-hmm. think. But so when you walked in, you could kind of you the brain kind of suggested like, hey, this isn't actually a mirror because as you walked in and around that door wasn't reflect something yeah. should have triggered me, but I still I didn't realize it. And then I remember I think you could kind of walk into it. And I think I like kind of leaned and then when i realized that it was there was nothing there i, I felt very queasy like uh, i felt kind of like like the stomach dropout kind of thing right. not in not in the way that if i thought an elevator was going to fall but right. just something had been tripped yeah. in like my the way that i was perceiving all the space around me right. was changed and that was kind of upsetting like in terms of my senses it's kind of amazing though to have like a very physiological response to like, because it seems like because the mirror wasn't there that you had this physiological response yeah. from something that's not even like in learning that it wasn't there. Usually people get freaked out because something's there. Oh, yeah. Hmm. You're right. Like the something behind you that isn't yeah. supposed to be there. It's a weird phenomenon. And I guess I, I've been reflecting on that piece because since you've been here the last couple of days, I've gotten to see you kind of talk a little bit more about the work. And specifically, you had a conversation with the philosopher Timothy Morton here in Austin around a piece that you have uh, just recently installed. And mm-hmm. I do want to talk about that stuff. So maybe we can get back to this idea of mirrors and, mm-hmm. and these weird senses. Um, before we go to that, though, I did want to ask about that piece because that's when I met you. And then it was in the Whitney shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. Was following room kind of a pivotal piece for you? Or do you feel like it was a transitional piece in any way? Because I know that you'd done things previously right. that had similar kind of styles to them. I've no- Now that I've been making work for over 20 years, I've, I noticed that I will, you know, kind of have entry level pieces that build up to the big piece. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. it's like, so there were things that, pieces that preceded it and then that was like the culmination the larger piece that was right before it was this public art piece i did in new york that was called potential storefronts right is that the public art fund one that had like neon in the store windows so like the store was 
the facade of the actual physical store was rebuilt four more times inside the body of the uh-huh. store. So it really looked like an infinity mirror. Right. Um, but it, what was nice in the public artness of it was that it was, you know, a store on the street. And so that people were passed by. And right. The person I have known for a long time would describe art as like poking holes through reality. So it was very mm-hmm. much like, like with your finger, you could poke a hole through reality. And yeah. it really felt like that because it's like you're walking down the street and then all of a sudden it's like this kind of echo chamber of reality into the store. Yeah. And it, and I imagine that it rewards the kind of passerby who's paying attention to their environment because sometimes you might blow right by one of those things. I'm thinking, I remember I've only seen that piece in documentation, Mm -hmm. but if somebody came up and really looked at it, you had all these other details like the, there's like a note, right? Like back in five, (laughs) like, and that was repeated as it goes in. Yeah. That was a very, it was a, it's a funny decision that was made within the last two hours of the construction of the okay. piece. And of course, like the the last two hours of the construction of the piece, that didn't end with going to bed at night and sleeping. And mm-hmm. It ended with, and it's the opening, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> so it was like after many weeks of working very hard and then, yeah, yeah. so it was kind of like a crazy decision. So yes, I put the note back in five on all five doors. Mm-hmm. So it was like a, a silly story <laughs> in a way of a funny joke because it was five iterations yeah yeah but it also told the unknowing viewer i mean a viewer who wasn't expecting to be a viewer because it's a person who's coming to see like what's this store yeah and they see the note and we're all familiar with that note where someone says back in five or they have to go to the post office or mm. run out to get their lunch and so that people would wait <laughs> and and then in the waiting then they would oh no then the piece would reveal itself uh-huh. so it was actually like a nice del- it was a for someone who would maybe just happen to walk by and not notice it it created an entry point for the un- unsuspecting viewer i guess you'd say yeah yeah is what was the store meant to mimic what kind of store well, was it yeah that was a tricky part because when <laughs> when i proposed the piece with the public art fund in the first place I always had a sense that I wouldn't know exactly what I wasn't like this piece wasn't about like the content of the store is like okay. what we were doing with it. But, uh, and I just kind of felt like depending on what kind of architecture we would get our hands on, that would determine, you know, how I went about yeah. developing the store. Cause if it was like a bodegas type feel, I'd go that route. Right. You know, but when we were able, when we, the piece of property we got of course this is like in 2007 right before the financial crisis so there were not many (laughs) empty now you could do it in new york and have Mm. your pick of what (laughs) maybe you know for a (laughs) time because there's a lot of there's a lot of places are yeah occupied and so the space we got was this weird kind of newer i I thought we would get something older because most of the buildings in new york are old but we got kind of a newer kind of stainless steel feel Mm -hmm. So then I was like, I don't know what to put in this thing. <laughs> you know, it wasn't telling me what it was. A gym. So then I kind of, then I had to create a store. So that was, uh, you know, a, a, an additional thought, you know, yeah. about the work. And so I ended up, the contents of the store, the store was, it was like playing on the kind of notion of a psychic or something, but I didn't want to go that route because that seemed too obvious in a way. So it was a... A life coaching slash travel agency. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. <laughs> you know. It's a lot of people who want to travel. Um, 
need a life coach at that yeah. moment too. Yeah, <laughs> so those those things are not <laughs> necessarily different points yeah. in someone's life. So there, you know, so one window because we got vinyl lettering and all uh-huh. that. It was like life coachings explore your inner self. And there's something about niches. I forget what it was, but, but, you know, exploring the inner self. And then the other side was the travel agency and there's yeah. a light box with a faded palm tree mm-hmm. light. And, and so it's a believable store, especially in Europe. Cause there's weird hybrids of, yeah. you know, but, Splitting um, the rent. yeah, but it also for me was pointing. It's like all my work hopefully does this where it's pointing in two directions of mm-hmm. like into your inner psyche while simultaneously pointing out to the the world that you're in yeah yeah so like that's that's how i settled on those contents for the store right and so was that that piece leading up to following room did you because i'm trying to you know i i can't remember every single date of every single one of your pieces but was the kind of idea of the faux reflection kind of stuff did you kind of move away from that after the following room pieces because it seems like the I'm trying to think of the infinity mirror ish types right. of pieces. And there's that public art fund one. There's the following room. And then what year is the there's the, the bathroom. bathroom installation? Yeah, that's piece. the that's the beginning. That's the beginning. Yeah. Okay. So of the at least the there were mul- multiple multiples that preceded it. But that's like the in the zone of the mirror reflection. Okay. <laughs> so that it was called never ending continuity error. Mm-hmm. And it was like a bathroom vanity scenario that had four iterations or four and that where the cutout where the mirror would be like above your sink there was a you know frame and everything but it just fell out into the next Mm -hmm. vanity situation and then there was a mirror 12 feet back that wasn't attached to the it wasn't the mirror in the fourth version of the bathroom it was past (laughs) it but uh yeah that was the only one that actually had a mirror in it but i like too that when you went up to like you saw this infinity mirror, but you didn't see yourself. Yeah. Until the twelve feet away, like you were pulled away from yourself, uh-huh. <laughs> or pulled out of yourself. At the lecture recently with uh, Timothy, you were relaying this anecdote about when following room went to the Whitney, mm-hmm. and the way that like the guards were telling you about what they had to do with people coming right. near the work. And could you recount <laughs> that? Well, as we established, there were no mirrors, but uh, there were also no, there was no glass, but it felt like there was some plane because of the yes. combination of these black lines and then these, these plastic lines on, like the horizontal is the black lines, the vertical, the plastic lines. And I really kind of, it's like a, a little nod or ode to Fred Sandback mm-hmm. too. Yeah, which, yeah, you know, like yeah. With Dia. Um, but how you can draw a plane with something very simple. So, uh, so, a, you know, a, nod to him drew these planes of a mirror but also because it was plastic tubing it really gave this because when you it gives the kind of reflection uh glass feel yeah like rather than just a line it was like a glass feel line um so yeah so the when i would visit the whitney while the show was occurring the security guards were really excited to see me and to relay to me how many times they had to tell people to not touch the art they weren't actually touching the art. So like people were actually pu- pushing their hands out to touch yeah, the yeah, glass. Yeah. Like they needed to touch it to see if it was there mm-hmm. or make sure. Well, I think they were, I mean, I guess, it, I don't know, just if they were, 
I wonder, based on what you said too, that they were reaching out not to to I, feel it, nothing, but they were trying to touch something. I, it might be, and it might be. I mean, I'm trying to think about it. And it might be. It could be a subconscious thing that they're doing. They yeah. might not really be thinking about like I'm trying to touch this artwork or this. It might just be one of those like the brain says. It's like you confirm. Gotta, you have to con- check this out. Confirm yeah. that that's there. <laughs> I mean, in, <laughs> I think it's like it's like when uh, you know if I stand and look over a if I'm at a very tall building and I look Mm -hmm. over it, I feel this, I don't actually act on the impulse. Um, but part of me says, throw yourself off this. Yeah. Like there's a part of me that's like, jump. And I'm like, no, no." but if you're in a safe environment, like a museum and there's just this thing, you might just be like, well, I'm just going to poke there and see if like confirm that that's like the, that that is the way that physics work or that's the environment that I'm in or something like that. And so. Yeah. Before you suggested (laughs) throwing yourself off the cliff. I was thinking, like, say you're on the, cl- the cliff and you just, like, kick a little rock over just to see how Always. long it takes before it hits the yes, bottom. That's absolutely. what I think people were doing. Yes. That's but a better, the, yes. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to the <laughs> like, we'll suicidal ideation. Yeah, they're <laughs> yeah. doing a tester. But that's funny, too, because <laughs> when you were talking about that, that's, I think, what zoomed me back to, like, oh, my God, I remember feeling like, oh, when I walked into that piece and realized there weren't mirrors. And then I think it was, it was at the Whitney, too, that the that people were suing James Terrell in like the eighties because people fell through the light right. planes, right? right. <laughs> Which is like I think pretty cool. Right. But yeah, someone injured their wrist or broke their arm or something by trying to like lean against a wall that wasn't there made of right. light, which is very exciting. So same museum, same kind of thing. It's, it's almost great. like they should have sued the physicists for mm-hmm. not making light. Yeah. To be able to hold you up. <laughs> um you you have i've heard heard you recently mention uh the idea of i think you said mirrorness yeah what is, is that <laughs> is this what we're talking about right now this idea well, that or what is mirrorness i think i'm still i think i, I am still thinking and trying to figure it out myself okay. like i i have made a very large drawing <laughs> or I, I have many drawings and i'm going to continue to make it where, because like Tim and I talked about it in the talk as well, and he uh, asked me before we even met because I mentioned it in an email, and he's like, "That's suggestive. Can you explain that to me?" And I spent five days. I didn't answer. <laughs> I, I like my own time sometimes. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but I was trying well, it's to. It's an email, not a subpoena. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I was trying to figure out like, because I I have been exploring it through this drawing. And also I wanted to, because I've also done so much research into his writing, I was just wanting to pause for a moment to be like, is my answer to this him, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but he seems to think I'm <laughs> talking about something else. <clears throat> but uh, I mean, the way I had talked about it until meeting him, and we've talked more, so I'll just say what I thought about it leading up to things. I mean, I, I am very comfortable in... I don't know, like in making work that's making, you know, the work is you thinking through things and understanding things in the world. And it's not like, okay, I have an idea. I'm going to make this thing. There's, there's the idea I had, you know, Mm -hmm. that you're, so yeah. So the, I'll explain the drawing, which will get us close to mirrorness or whatever, but, (laughs) um, and you know, I, earlier I talked about how things lead into other things like are building up and, you know, this text-based work of my potential future based on present circumstances is what's led to making drawings about not me, but things, mm-hmm. but that the thing is not the object. So I made one on the first two of these drawings. 
uh, one was on tableness and one was on mereness. So it's not necessarily in the research or the thinking wasn't just like mereness. It's like right, the thing, right, right. it's I like the, it. the experience, yeah. you know, the, this like lifeness of the thing. But the mereness, because of my work, really has become taken over and is much richer for Got me it. to kind of understand. I think I'm still understanding, <laughs> you know, in the process of understanding. But so the, this research has been looking into this like history of mirrors, but not in terms of like a history, like, and then this, you know, you know, they figured out how to silver mm-hmm. play a mirror, you know, like that could be part of it, but it's kind of like how the experience of the mirror has produced things beyond it. Like, so that's what the drawings are. But I think that, Okay, so I'll give examples of the two where, <laughs> so like, I made some basic drawings on paper, then it just kept growing, and then I, and I was having such a hard time organizing it all, yeah. all this information, so then I would uh, put little bits of it on torn up paper so I could move it around. It's kind of, and then I was like, oh, this is what offices do to plan their weeks and calendars and things like that so but i started with the beginning of time <laughs> and exploring all because there were the effect of mirror and mirrorness is before we even have the physical mirror itself mm-hmm. because you have reflection in water and so there's all these interesting things like um early cultures in africa like they associated still water with death because you saw your ref- you know like seeing mm-hmm. your reflection was like a death of you and you know like of course narcissism narcissist narcissist <laughs> yeah. um you know these are before we have phys- like right like the water is the mirror and then then they start developing metal urgy and then there's bronze right, mirrors right. and oh, all yeah, stuff I, like before that there's no other reflection surface well, in but still water, water. Right? Yeah, yeah besides that wow yeah so mm-hmm. like there was a mirror before a physical yeah. mirror but that was creating relation ideas of the self you know, even before the physical thing, you know, like the reflection was doing this to people. So my drawing was just really kind of organizing and trying to collect all this stuff, like all these productions of mirrors. So I guess it's also like, I enjoy things not just being so serious and being pop culture and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff too. So included in the drawing is like Red Room and Kim Kardashian, Mm -hmm. but next to like new telescopes and Mm -hmm. like one thing I like that references Texas actually is that, I learned that the very first mirrored building is the Campbell Building in Dallas. Really? That's my last name. But uh, (laughs) that's included also because I assume that's the first, it's probably not the first time, but I, that there would be, or maybe it was, I was guessing, but that there would be one of those massive glares off the building into your eye when you're driving. Yeah, God. So that's like, (laughs) you know, that's mirror, also mirrorness, you know. Yeah. Okay. And so could that, so this is, this mirrorness is a, this is a particular avenue that relates to your interest. And so you've done this research or you've contemplated in this way, you've started to play around with the idea in this way, but you could, like you said, you could do it with tableness, you could do right. it with shoeness, you could do it with anything else. So it's not that mirrorness is um, related to some kind of like, divine concept it's rather that you could probably do that with anything well i started with doing it with anything but i do think there is something i mean probably why i have expanded so much on mirrorness and how it is in so much of my work Uh that that it is something that is 
seems to be a, a deeper. It is special. Yeah. Okay. Cool. It seems like conceptual, <laughs> philosophical. Yes. Place. Cool. You know, I'm along for the ride. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm getting into this. I like it. <laughs> um, and you mentioned uh, just in talking a second ago these drawings, um, <clears throat> which are called my potential futures based on present circumstances. And you started those in 1999 and kind of have it's like an itinerant series, right? You sort of do it when it comes to you or you feel like doing it. Yeah. The first I did them for a good. 10 years mm-hmm. but yeah in between like i never just did them they were in between other works okay you know and i feel that like they're kind of like a dur- journal-based project so i've said many times to it there you have to have life to happen in order to do another one yeah, <laughs> because if yeah. it's about your future uh-huh. i have to move forward right <laughs> in you order can't to make... like <laughs> you know something else has to happen to me you know um well, the the piece that you're here in Austin for uh, springboards off of that and actually mm-hmm. includes a new one of them. Um, what do those potential future drawings for the listeners, what do they resemble and what is the content in them? What do they look like and what's in them? Okay. So it's basic graphite pencil on paper and and just handwritten, like kind of a little bit of cursive a little bit of block print mm-hmm. <laughs> or block handwriting yeah <laughs> legible but uh they start they kind of look bush like at least the original ones this one here is a little different but whether they started with one topic or three or five they would start at the bottom and grow up like like a bush or an upside down family yeah, tree yeah. yeah and you know there's some uh steps like there's more space in the beginning and then it gets very clustered very quickly and dense with these bifurcating lines and, and like it, it grows like a- exponentially, not every step, but it's not a true exponential, but a, right. a messy exponential. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it's based on like a, a choice that you might make, like a, here's this situation. If I do this thing, we'll follow this right. line. If I do this thing, we'll follow this line. Right. And sometimes they're very kind of, arbitrary decisions and sometimes they lead to very different types of endings yeah it's interesting too because like there's this notion of choice that gets applied to them and it is kind of that's a certain amount of it Mm. but it's certainly not 100 percent, and certainly not 80 percent or 60 percent like i hope within them too that it's coincidence or coincidence or happenstance or just how you fall into something. I mean, Mm. I feel that there is so much too to us that we're just bumping into something that changes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I certainly am not actively making choices constantly as I'm moving around my day. And that's why (laughs) much of it is based on convenience. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The least, whatever has the least amount of friction. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. But uh, yeah, so I'm I'm into reading certain psychologists that are exploring the rational aspects of decision making mm-hmm. also and that how I mean I just I don't know, I, I feel like I think like if I am we're we're trying to come up with a simple phrase to totally explain all the work, it's mm-hmm. like it's all basically undermine undermining that's this idea or concept of self. You know, <laughs> so mm-hmm. like period, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, with the following room, like, how do you know what you're actually looking at? Right. You don't even know. And yeah. then like these drawings that, you know, it's, it's like possibility and 
clumsiness and bumping into and and even if you make a choice it doesn't necessarily guarantee you get to where you're going yeah and the ones that you know sort of purport to have a mirrored kind of surface you don't even get the reward of your own reflection yeah like it obl- obliterates itself in that well that's yeah that, that's what i love about the never-ending <laughs> continuity of it yeah it's yeah. like you can't even you don't even get the satisfaction of staring <laughs> at your own mug um and a lot of the work some of these ones that you've described they're kind of they're pretty cerebrally funny in a lot of mm-hmm. ways um and i know that you're a fan of charles ray and mm-hmm. officially in vice um and i was kind of thinking about this i was preparing to do this and i was trying to come up with like a vocabulary way to describe like i'm always trying to figure out how to describe what kind of humor something has i guess mm-hmm. is one way and i was thinking about your stuff and i was kind of trying to in an inarticulate way get to a conclusion all that i could come up with was like inverse slapstick and by oh. that i mean <laughs> that it's like it's formally absurd but mm-hmm. it's static if that mm-hmm. makes sense like because slapstick is yeah, it's, it's like funny because it's like over. the yeah the formal right, right. qualities, but it's because of the like extreme action that happens right. also. And yours is like this frozen moment of time where like there is this formal absurdity that's going on in many of the pieces, but it's like it's frozen for us to look at. It's mm-hmm. like not, and we have to activate it as like viewers by going around. Right. Um, Can you say your phrase again? Inverse slapstick. That's like, kind of awesome. Like, kind of like a it's I'm like a, have to it's like a prat fall, but right. like. But it, it halfway through the fall and not before, not after. Right. It's like in the middle of the trip. <laughs> well, it makes me think, too, like <laughs> that whole Matrix camera where they go to do the the kick or whatever and then oh, the camera yeah. zooms around them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's like the, yes, it's the it's the Matrix camera on like a person, on like Chris Farley falling through a table. <laughs> but like at the exact moment that he hits and it breaks the surface right. of the table, but nothing is like... Right. You know, it's funny because I did do a a piece too where I made a a sculpture of a table smashing into a a wall. Well, (laughs) because I was gonna, I was building up to asking you about because there are. I'm thinking of two different pieces out of tables. One that's really recent. Yeah. Um, but there's another one that's kind of like a table that looks like it's like skittering, but it's being chased. Yeah, it's like a galloping horse or something. Yeah, and it's like crashing into the wall. But it's like frozen in this moment, but it looks, it's filled with all this energy and action that, you know, you know, there's going to be some kind of, you can hear like the crashing or like the brakes screeching and all that, like an accident is happening, but you're watching it like frozen in time. Right. And I think that's what I mean by that static thing where it's kind of like, I don't know, you have to finish it as the viewer. Mm -hmm. You have to be like, well, here's what happened before and here's what happened after. Right. You're just right in the middle of it, which is kind of fun. It's interesting too, because when I, when I made that piece, I made it based on the side the side view like i made a collage you know which was a nice way to start to see it beforehand and when i was building it i was seeing it from the side yeah once it was installed like i i saw it some in my studio but it was like messy and stuff so when i finally saw it installed in the gallery and i stood at the farthest point from the wall like at the the end of the nice table I was like, oh, crap, I just made something that basically, like, drove myself into the wall. Because <laughs> <Like, laughs> if you get in the driver's seat of it, that's what you have done. I was wondering if outside of, like, Charles Ray officially in Vice and these artists who kind of have this comic sensibility, even if it's about, like, the everyday or 
stuff that's kind of banal, but mm-hmm. the, the kind of funny, absurdity stuff in there. Um, whether there's comedy that's outside of that that's interesting to you too, like in terms of films or stand-up or anything like that, right. or if it's kind of more in the lineage of contemporary arts, the periodic sense of humor. You know, I definitely was into groundhog's day yeah you know oh, God. I, yes like, that I makes that. a lot of sense i was also asking because i was one of the more recent table piece does is kind of the titles mm. based on a comedy film that is the yeah. uh i'm not going to try to say the morse code yeah. title of it because it's too <laughs> insane but do you know how to say it out loud not all of it okay. <laughs> it's but like I, deep, 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 but. well it starts da 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 yeah which is important which i actually should have talked about Oh, recently. Well, do it now. But I know okay. this is the debut. Of so this the the concept. title Morse, the title in Morse code, it's Morse code for nine to five. Yes, which is Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, and Dolly Parton all in that, yes. right? Yeah. Okay. And so why is the why is the da da, da well da da? But what's right. going on with the first? Well, yeah, let's see, that's blip. the thing. But yeah, so it's da da da. It's five da's, and then you know it goes in. It's like yeah. many of these the dit and da of <laughs> the morse code but it's nine to five in morse code but the piece is uh two different time periods that are passing through one another yeah like a hundred years apart right yeah so it's okay. the 1880s telegraph office with I, my sensibility was that it was like had fem- female operators which was true and very common and sure um i've seen deadwood yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that's real. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that was actually completely the wrong reference because the only person that uses a telegraph in it, I think, is a man. So oh, okay. that's a shitty reference. <laughs> My apologies, but <laughs> um, and then it's passing through, like it's submerged mm-hmm. through the set of, from the movie Nine to Five, but specifically after the women take over. Mm-hmm. So that's it's, why it's Morse code for Nine to Five. Right, but yeah, that's a that movie is very funny and yes, uh, well, the object that you've made is very funny too in this weird way. Like in, but again, it's like frozen, so it's kind of like. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if, depending on the, the, I'm always curious about like the audience's response to it because I wonder, depending on the context of where it's presented, if that piece reads as funny to somebody. I mean, also it's personal taste or how how someone's day is going, but I wonder if like. You know, where where did you show that piece? Well, <laughs> that's like, a, it's like a, it was a traumatic place. Oh, okay. <laughs> because it was at the armory fair. <laughs> okay, so maybe people didn't think it was funny. I don't know. Like, maybe they yeah. were... You know, like <laughs> yeah, so it hasn't had a good home yet. <laughs> okay, well, see, so that's an example so that's, of like, yeah, that's maybe funny. that's not the exact best case scenario that no. you want it at. But, no. But, so that kind of answers that question of like, can, do some people read it differently? Like, yes, they absolutely do. Um, but yeah, that's good. Um, and then I guess I, I definitely want to talk about this piece that's here in Austin, which we've kind of been hinting at this whole time. And it does include one of these... Um, potential futures drawings which mm-hmm. is the first one we've done like 10 years i think yeah like i did or shown in 10 years no i mean it's it's a it's a good claim like i did a couple <clears throat> like you know they were heavily done until nine 2009 mm-hmm. and then a couple trickled out but they mm-hmm. they are no good oh okay <laughs> well just that they had like me as the author mm-hmm. was not uh you know, it's like you're repeating yourself all that. Like, it's not like in doing them too, it's like has to be enriching for me too. Like right. I find myself someplace else or, um, and I wasn't, there was no, uh, nurturing 
Got happening. It. So then that's where there was like, I didn't do them. And I also, uh, I have a child that was born in 2010 and I just like was not going to do them because there's so much about, they start with a part of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, you know, I would die. I've killed my husband, <laughs> in you know, the, like, in the you know all kinds of things. Yeah. Drawing, yes. <laughs> yeah. In the drawings. So that, but I just really felt like I couldn't do that. I, I would not do that too. I understand. I don't want to. That's what motherhood is. Is it seems like a jinx it, too, though. Yeah, to be, it's like playing yeah. with fire. Imagine like, what yeah. if. Uh... <laughs> but then, as time has gone on, it's like that is you know I feel like because I started those drawings in '99, and so much of these conversations in the art world, the speculative realism, and all this kind mm. of stuff, and it's like you know, it's like that's this body of work is you yeah, know yeah. this is this. So it, I and I really. I do like that body work. Um, so I guess enough time had gone by. And I was doing these similar drawings like Mirrorness, but it, that drawing series is called, I think, Future Past. Okay. But And then the word of what it was exploring. Um, so it's a similar structure. It just wasn't about me as a, not only just me, but as a as centering on the activity of a person. Yeah. So it's like focusing on the production of an object. So that was refreshing and interesting, but this is the official coming back into that drawing series. And did you decide to do the drawing because you were approached about doing this commission or was this kind of when you were approached were like, oh good, because I have already begun this thing? Right. Well, I'd already started, okay, how it happened. <laughs> it, last year I had a booth at Freeze and the director of Landmarks saw, I had mobiles there and then saw one of the old drawings from like 2008 okay. or something. And then she was interested in it. I had already started. I have one that started before this Texas one, Mm -hmm. but it's not done yet. So this was the first one finished. (laughs) So, yeah, I was already back into it. And then like having one of these drawings be a public art piece was Mm -hmm. really exciting to me. And then in tandem with the mobiles and 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 especially not having it in a art context right because it's it's installed in the medical school or one of the buildings in the medical school UT. yeah Yeah. so it's in the lobby of the medical center and i already got a little taste of this actually of like the this kind of drawing or the Uh series of drawing being in a non i mean i guess in collector's homes they're in a non-showing space but it's like an art collection but uh i recently made a print of one of these drawings like one of these drawings was in the sandy flood and oh whoa okay so it was had to be put to rest interesting yeah it it lived but it was like has like a little funky yeah stuff living in the paper Mm -hmm. um so i and i was approached by a publisher to do a print i was like oh i'll take that content out um and then you know make a print of it which i want to do more of because in a way each one of those drawings is like a book or Mm -hmm. a short story but only one copy which is kind of crazy But so a print was made and in a way with a print, you can have a, it has more legs or wings, like a bigger audience or something. So a dentist in Williamsburg has one (laughs) in their office. Nice. And I happen. That's a cool dentist office. Yeah. There's, yeah. I guess it's still an art collection too then. But yeah, after picking up my son after summer camp, which was nearby, I was like, oh, let's go to the dentist's office Uh and see, you know, just want to see the piece. Yeah. And I walked in and introduced myself to the dental hygienist. And they were like, oh, my God, we love this piece. Everybody <laughs> loves cool. it. Like, and it was just really exciting that it, you know, has an audience. Yeah, yeah. Like an unsuspecting audience or, you know, like yeah. it, it 
can it doesn't need like the big a art frame or whatever right, right. you know that people who aren't even going there to look at art are experiencing or getting into it or right you know. i mean I, and I feel like that ties back to the public art fund piece right. though too where it's like what is the audience who might stumble across this mm-hmm. you know the mobile which you've mentioned is a, a sculptural piece that's like hand bent like steel rods and wire that kind of are almost like they themselves are an inverse of the drawing in terms of orientation, right? Because mm-hmm. they kind of come down from the ceiling and hang and have the all the line work without the text, more or less. Yeah. Um, and I was going to ask what your relationship to with those pieces to gravity is like, right. because so much sculptural stuff I feel like is in this kind of like wrestling with gravity, and those right. feel really like comfortable. Are you just cool with gravity as a well, sculptor? I guess here's the thing. <laughs> that uh <laughs> they were what i would consider my first sculpture uh-huh. and i guess I think, I, yeah i use that interchangeably with yeah, installation that, which is probably maybe right. not everybody does it yeah no i i it took me a, a while to then make what i would call a sculpture and think of myself as a sculptor mm-hmm. you know like when i moved to new york i considered myself an installation artist and then i I had st- it's a terrible city to move to if you want to make installations. No, <laughs> right? <laughs> Go to LA. Like, I have such a misunderstanding of it. <laughs> but uh, the first group show I was in in New York, in Brooklyn, it was at this gallery called the Holland Tunnel Gallery. And I hadn't started the potential future drawings yet. It was like right before that. It was just like a month or two before that. And this gallery was like a, a shed that you would buy at Home Depot where... It's like a pitch, like not a full A-frame, but like a yeah, yeah. little tiny shed. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, the curate, you know, it's like, cl- of course, loosely curated. And, you know, I went to visit the curator. It's like, you can do anything you want. And there were, you know, the inside was eight by eight feet. And there was like supposedly like 19 or 20 artists. Uh-huh. And I was like, what in the world? Like, what do you mean do anything you want? How could you? There's like, yeah. there is no place. You either do something really tiny in the corner. Right. So then I, and I lived nearby it, so I'd go in there and I sat in the driveway and just stared at it for a while. <laughs> mm. And then I was, then I was like, oh, well, is the roof taken? Can I do something on the roof? Oh, yeah. And they're like, oh yeah, you can do that. So I ended up building another building on the roof <laughs> that was kind of, you know, that's, that's the thing in terms of how things, that's the predate of, yeah. that's the first iteration of what became this da-da piece. Okay. Da-da-da. Um, with these things submerged. So it was another, a similar building, but pitched a little or diagonal, but kind of submerged into it. And it was called Conjoined. And the funny thing (laughs) was that I didn't realize it until like the opening when all the other artists showed up. I was like, oh, wow, way to like grandstand. (laughs) You know, because it's like I took the entire Uh show. Yeah, yeah. And like... So it's kind of like, like, welcome. Like, I just moved there and this is the first thing I did. Yeah. It's like. That's cool. That's a different kind of gravity, though. That's a more like conceptual yeah. weight that you you right. put on everyone else. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. So good. That's what I have to go back to. Yeah, exactly. Like. <laughs> you're imposing it. <laughs> I know. It's like, Jesus. Well, you're coming from the Midwest, though, right? Yeah. So you had, well, you had to come in swinging. I, feel like <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I did some exploration i did some early text-based diagram drawings in the late 90s in grad school but was really making installation like that's what i thought myself uh, that's how i would describe myself and Mm -hmm. then moved to new york and then that made that big 
big thing mm-hmm. took over everybody. And then shortly after that started the potential future. That's my slang for it, but the my potential future based on yeah. present circumstances. And then did another of other installations and a video or two. And But like, I feel like I really was doing installations, like even though it's sculptural or whatever, but sure, it, yeah. at least for me that why I determine it as installation because it's like the focus on the viewer yeah, really and that yeah. their experience. So that's what, and I guess like there were more sculptural installations that were starting to be made, like the that table mm-hmm. crashing table thing. I like I like that definition though. I think that the the it's a lot of it lies on the viewer because yeah. that is it's very different. Whereas a a sculpture when it is packaged up and put into storage is still the sculpture. It's mm-hmm. the same thing. It doesn't need. Um, the physical presence of other people experiencing it in order for it to be activated and mm-hmm. transcend. It's just qu- sort of like collection of thingsness right. to be art. Right. And so the installation does. Yeah. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. No, that's actually very clear. Yes. And I apologize for flippantly referring uh, <laughs> to things as sculptures <laughs> earlier. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's the thing with like, you know, that following room piece, what's the work of it is not what it looks like at all. Right. Cause, Cause it's, it's a collection fact, of objects that you've sort of put together. Your anxiety yeah. was the work <laughs> yeah. of it. You totally, know, so that's yes. not what you put in the box. Whatever. It reminds me. Yes. I used to get asked in <laughs> school, where do you locate the work in this? And I was like, leave me alone. Right. But I think that I, that's very applicable to yeah. an installation based artwork because yeah. yes, where does it happen? And typically it's when the people have a response to it. Otherwise it's just a collection of items. So yes, like, doing these installations and more sculpturally oriented installations, but I still didn't think of, I I still wouldn't have called myself a sculptor. And it wasn't until I was, I was in Texas actually. That's where the birth of the mobile was for me Uh (laughs) where I was in a show. It was like 12 years ago and I was in a show or about then I was in a show in San Antonio and took a bus to Austin from San Antonio. And in the bus stop, there was an advertisement of a, a cardboard bus that had other things hanging from it, from the, you know, little fishing rod arms yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. And it was like, you know, tumbleweed and a suitcase and a happy family. It's like travel by bus. And when I saw that, I was like, now that's an interesting object. Now uh-huh. I know Calder and everything. Right. But, uh, but that's where, that's where I, and I really thought like, you know, that's an interesting sculpture. And so that was in the back of my mind. And then I ended up making the drawings were for me, the drawings were very much a writing problem or issue or process. Like, yeah. it, you know, it's, it's writing and I couldn't really change the forms too much because it's hard to like write a book. I mean, imagine when you're writing something and then you also have to like make a pretty picture at the same time. Yeah. You oh, know, like I want to do that. That's... Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and I tried things to change the visuals, but I think they're okay. But but I did two that started at the top and came down. Mm-hmm. And then the it was by the second one that I was like, oh, that's the mobile form. But I was, like, that's where I felt that that was the first sculpture I made. And I was really attracted to it because it wasn't on the floor. Yeah. Like, that it was not a normal sculpture. Right, yeah. So that's where, you know, you say the gravity that... Huh. You're right. Yeah, it never. It doesn't have to mess with the floor because it's not going to yeah. touch it. I like that. You don't have questions of the base or. Yeah. Well, I have one last question okay. for you. It, do you think that time travel is possible? Oh. <laughs> Gosh. Well, emotionally, yes. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've done that. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, that's the thing too. That gets into the experience of memory. But if you have a memory happen that you haven't really had in a really long time, mm. uh, and it's like usually tripped by something like a yeah. Like I, I feel like I often feel if I smell crayons in the right sunlight that I will feel myself when I was little drawing on the porch. Interesting. You know? if I but sm- you feel it. Yeah, if I smell crayons, I not, think of the bus. Right. The bus seat smelled like crayons to oh. me. Like waxy. Mm-hmm. And I would just smash my nose against them right. and smell them all the time, <laughs> which is really gross, but it's like little boy behavior. Right. You know? Just smelling the bus seat. Not the seat part. Yeah, yeah. The back. <laughs> yeah, the butt, like where <laughs> no, people not put that. their tissues. Jesus Christ. Wow. <laughs> Goodness, Sean. Okay, so, yes, emotional. So that's my first, of, yeah. yes, because then... You are, if you get one of those first, first level, first tier memories, mm-hmm. like the un, uninfluenced memory, because mm-hmm. from what I understand, as you keep remembering, you alter your memory. So Got it's it. one of those first level ones. Sure. That to me would be like a time travel because you have that emotion yes. that you had been. So that's one way of answering it. Another way, <laughs> I mean, in terms of the quantum physics and all that Uh like i mean they do have those weird i don't know what they're called where they they're mirror particles that can mirror each other across space oh yeah okay we have we have to go because your babysitter is here which i think that's a good ending (laughs) yeah so we'll we'll leave the listeners to determine their own time travel i think but this is good to chew on yeah Oh, I'll can, I'll give you another answer another time. Yeah, <gasps> that sounds good. See, there we go. Okay, well, okay. Beth, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking time while you're here. I know that, that you had a crazy nice. itinerary. I hope you have fun for the rest of the time in Austin. Um, thanks everybody for tuning in, and we will catch you uh, in about two weeks because I'm going to be at the Fusebox Festival next week, so I will not have time to do a podcast. But thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.